In this episode, we'll be diving into all things financial wellness. I chat with my good friend, Jason Vitek, about what financial wellness actually means, why it's important to have a holistic approach with your money and health, and why you need to chase your purpose and not a paycheck. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy. And I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Before we get started with the next episode, I wanted to wish you a happy new year and tell you about the Mental Health and Wealth Challenge. I'm hosting the free Mental Health and Wealth Challenge from January 11th to January 17th. It's one week long and you can transform your money and mindset in just 13 minutes a day. Interested? Check out the link in our show notes. Hello, this is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing my good friend, Jason Vitug. Jason spent years working in finance, climbing the ranks until he left to pursue something different. He is the founder of Frugal and the author of You Only Live Once. He also did an amazing road trip called the Road to Financial Wellness Tour for a few years, which I also helped him out on. That was such an adventure, which I'm sure we'll get into. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you so much, Melanie. Glad to be here. So exciting. So I want you to tell my guests a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I think you did a great job with that bio and just to update everyone, I am also now a certified yoga teacher and breathwork specialist. Thank you. I've, I've totally, you know, dove in head first into, into the wellness space because ultimately, you know, we need to take care of our health, um, as we pursue our wealth. And yeah, that's, that's probably pretty much the biggest update. It's a, I'm still running frugal. I'm still writing. I'm still working on my next book. And so there's still a lot of those things going on and financial wellness is still my jam. And there's just a bit more focus on the health aspect of financial well-being. I love all of this. And we're definitely going to get into the nitty gritty about financial wellness and what that is. But I just want to set the stage a little bit for our listeners about our particular friendship. So I've known Jason probably since 2014, which, wow, that's almost six, seven years now. And I remember we were on a call in 2015, or maybe it was 2014 the year before. I don't know, 2014, 2015, around there. And you were telling me, you're like, I have this great idea. I want to go across the whole country and do this road trip and spread financial wellness and go to all these stops and get people together. And I was just listening to you and I was like drinking the Kool-Aid. I love everything you're saying. I'm totally into it. How can I support you? And basically I was kind of like your project manager, helping you with the tour stops and helping you with some of the admin stuff. And 
we just worked together on these different stops and it was so amazing. Like, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that experience. Well, I mean, that was a really pivotal moment in my life because, you know, we're, we're going to dive into this in the show, but ultimately that was my Hail Mary pass because I was figuring out if I should continue on Frugal and I was building Frugal as a fintech startup. So I was going to venture capitalists and pitching the idea, getting turned down. My business partner left and said, my idea really basically sucks and you know we shouldn't spend any more time on it. So, I mean, that was bruising my ego and just like, you know, and I'm purposeful. So I was doing this because it served my purpose. I was excited about it. But I also knew that financial education isn't something that venture capitalists are going to jump on and say, oh, we can make a ton of money on it. But I was optimistic and I said, yeah, we're going to, we're doing something fun and awesome and interesting and you should definitely be on it. But after a year of the grind, he decided to leave and I said, maybe I should hang up, you know, hang this up. And I spoke to you because we had this awesome relationship online and hanging out at, at conferences. And I said, I have this idea and I want to go with it. And you just said, you should do it. And you were the number one person I spoke to. And you were the person that convinced me to do it. Maybe you're not like, maybe I didn't need to be convinced, but you going on board and saying, how can I help you? That's exactly how you approached it. It was, you listened to me and you said, how can I help you without batting an eye, without waiting for a second. And that said a lot about your character and how our friendship you know, forged from that moment. And I wouldn't have been where I am today and the success of the road trip without you because you did manage the road trip. You also manage my blog tour. You manage these little events and you kept me sane on the road because I would call you and I was stressed <laughs> out and you're like, Jason, calm down. And so like, we do have a lot of history and I do want to thank you and excited about your evolution. And here we are today, you know, going a bit more deep into what was happening in the background. So for me, I'm a little nervous because I haven't shared the details, but I think it's important. It's important for me to finally let it go. And I hope people learn stuff from it. Well, I love that. And first of all, you're making me so uh, emotional, a little teary-eyed. And and thank you so much for those kind words. Like it was such a wonderful experience. I remember that summer of 2015 so vividly and just kind of the excitement and planning these events all over the country and yeah, getting the blog tour together and doing all of these things and making sure that we were spreading the message and getting people involved. And, you know, I've been in business now for six years and honestly, that was still one of the highlights of my career. Like it's just been so fun and working with other people that have that kind of same passion that mirrors yours is just amazing. It's just like passion party. So So glad that I could work with you. So glad for everything that you've accomplished. So let's dive right into the interview. You know, we've already kind of set the stage here that you are all about financial wellness. So how do you in particular define financial wellness? Basically, financial wellness is about our health and our wealth and its impact to our overall well-being. But I look now financial wellness as really like the active pursuit of a healthy lifestyle while we learn to manage our money better. And so the whole goal is mastering money so we can improve our life. It enables us to to kind of chase our dreams as opposed to chasing a paycheck. And 
I've realized that why financial wellness is extremely important. It's because we need to have a purpose and a reason behind the time and the effort and the resources that we put into, into earning money. Because, um, yeah, I've learned within, within this pandemic and throughout the years before that there are people who have their finances right, but they are some of the most unhappy and unhealthiest people I've met. And so it's reinforced that we need to work on our health as we work on our wealth. And financial wellness is kind of like the perfect term for that. And I understand most people, they go financial wellness because it's so much easier to think about or conceptualize financial freedom or financial independence. Those are are easier terms to understand. Financial wellness, though, is a bit more personal. And I like that because our well-being is personal. And so it's not just about the numbers. And that is why financial wellness is important. It's why I continue to use the term, even though people go, okay, I I think I get it. And it's so much easier to say independent and free. But uh, I really want to emphasize and focus our conversations around how money impacts our mental, emotional, and physical health. I think the term financial wellness is so important. And I can totally understand why people would be like, this sounds kind of amorphous. Like, what does wellness mean? Do you go to a doctor to see if you're financially unwell? Like, what is that? But then actually, when you were talking about financial freedom and financial independence, it made me think of like, so the opposite of that is like being financially trapped. And this kind of whole environment, like, doesn't sound good to me. But when you think of financial wellness, you're really just wanting to focus on health and you feeling okay. And that feeling of enoughness, which I think is actually more attractive than financial freedom and independence, because that just seems more of like in this model of you have to get away from this feeling of being trapped. And it's like such a far away destination, but financial wellness, anybody can incorporate that right now today And it's really a state of being, right? It really is a state of being. And financial independence and financial freedom, I tend to look at them as a destination. It's a destination you arrive at. So it's easy for us to set a $1 million goal and be financially independent or have $2 million and realize all we need is $1 million, be financially free and have all our time. Financial wellness kind of is a what's happening in the present moment as we consider the future moments as well. And now more than ever, and I've been using that phrase uh, throughout the pandemic, it's important for us to make sure we take care of ourselves in the present moment while we hope for a better future and still continuing to plan for that future. And financial wellness is, is about that. It's looking at the present moment, making sure you're taking care of yourself, but also hoping that there is a bright future ahead and making the, the right financial decisions so you can be well as well. And so that's why financial wellness is extremely important in these times. Yet another phrase that I've been using, and people have begun to really accept it. And, and going back to what financial wellness started as, it was a HR, human resource term, and human resources realized that it was important to address financial stress with employees because stressed employees are not productive 
and they tend to get sicker. So that's going to cost the company way more money. And so they started pushing these financial wellness programs. And I was there, part of my history in the banking industry was pushing financial wellness for employees and addressing the basics of personal finance. There's a lot of, you know, in corporate America, there's a lot of talk about retirement and 401ks. And here I am talking about budgeting, paying off debt. And they're like, no, no, people know how to do that. And I'm like, no, they don't know how to do that. They're stressed. They're bringing that stress in the workplace and that's impacting the quality of work, the relationship with their coworkers, and also impacting the, the company's bottom line. And so they started using financial wellness as part of their health and wellness program. And I just ran with it. I continue using it because it does epitomize the focus on our health and our finances. Well, thank you so much for clarifying what exactly it means and kind of where it comes from. I love that history. And you bring up such a great point of you know employees being stressed out and the need for financial wellness beyond this advice of like, save for retirement. So it's like, okay, people can and will do that, but how are they going to be motivated if they're stressed the F out right now, paying off debt and managing their bills? So I'm curious, when did you first get interested in financial wellness? Well, it had to do with my job. I was VP of marketing and business development uh, at the credit union back in 2011. And my goal was to grow the membership. And I wanted to do something a bit different. And I knew members from the credit union were telling me that they were financially stressed. And so I started talking about my personal stories of you know financial inadequacy, debt, and stress. And that kind of opened up the opportunity to talk more about solutions, solutions from the credit union. So that basically my job at the credit union is what introduced me to financial wellness and then me working with HR from you know Fortune 500 companies all across the country is what kind of reinforced the importance of financial well-being. And now when I look back, I realize I was always in this path. I was always in the path of money is is only as important as what it allows us to do. And sure, money impacts most things, but it isn't everything. And that's kind of like the the philosophy that I have and Financial wellness really encompasses that. So you're looking at for for the past like eight years, I have been you know a big advocate on financial wellness and well being. So you were working at a credit union. You were focused on financial wellness there. At what point did you realize that I don't know if I want to work in this particular way anymore? I want to kind of go on my own. I know you traveled for a bit after you left. Like, what was that whole timeline like? What was that experience like? Well, it's kind of strange to many people that I quit or resigned from a job I actually loved. So I loved the work that I was doing. I loved the people I was working with. Sure, my CEO was tough, but she's amazing. She's actually one of my dear friends. And the job was stressful, but it was also financially rewarding. It was socially rewarding. And it was really extremely flexible in terms of where I can work and where I can live and things like that. But ultimately, something in me was saying this did not align. And I thought making more money and becoming the CEO would be the answer for it. And so I wanted to to be the CEO of of the company. I wanted to make more money. And so when I would ask for more money, thinking that was the solution for my kind of 
mental situation, they would give me more money. So that wasn't the excuse. So if they were saying, no, Jason, we don't have any more money for you, I would be like, okay, that's a reason for me to leave. So it was very difficult. And when I resigned, it actually took me six months to leave. The board of directors, the CEO kept taking me out, sitting me down and saying, we're, we're making you the successor CEO. We want to train you. When the CEO retires, you will be positioned to take over. We definitely see something in you. And I realized maybe that's not what I wanted. So if I was making all these excuses in my head in terms of, I just need to make more money and I'll be happier, or I just need that title and I'll be happier, I realized when I was getting it, I wasn't getting any happier. And all these conversations I was having with extremely bright individuals, with the the board of directors and my executive team, I went home in my apartment. At that time, I lived in Palo Alto in California. And I looked all around my apartment and I saw my stuff. And I was rarely home. I was traveling a lot for work. And I said, does all this stuff represent me? Does all this stuff represent the things that I value? I had really nice things, but I rarely enjoyed them. And then I looked at it completely differently. And I was a salaried employee. And so I said, okay, how much do I make per hour? And how much does that couch uh, cost in terms of the time worked? And I realized, well, maybe this isn't how I want to spend the rest of my life. And so that's that's what led me to resigning and figuring out my next move. And I needed time away. And so I'm a big proponent for for stressed out, overworked individuals in their 20s, 30s, 40s, what have you, to take a year off if you can. And and you know, I, I conceptualize this idea of a freedom fund to take a year off, a sabbatical to mentally, you know, decompress and to remove all the the corporate mindset that I had. It it took a year and I'm still trying to remove some of the corporateness in me all these years, but I needed to to get away from the situation in order to kind of reset and reevaluate what was important to me. And during that backpacking trip is where I realized I have a story to tell and I have a mission and a purpose. And I want people to look at money completely differently. And I wanted to address the fact that the rules that people shared with us growing up you know, the path, graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, get married, have a kid, buy a house, get a car, go on and on and on. And when you're 65, you get to retire. I want to tell people that there is a different way. There's a different path. You can forge the path. Careers are not linear. They can actually go up and down and in circles. And you don't necessarily have to do one before the other. And you can enjoy the ride. But I also realize in order to enjoy the ride, we need to have our finances in order. And I was able to take a year off because I had my finances in order. I love that. It sounds like you had such an amazing pivotal turning point where you realized that, you know, on paper, it seemed nice that you were getting groomed to be the CEO. You had lots of money. You had very nice things. But then you realized that you still weren't satisfied despite kind of everyone telling you that once you achieve these things, once you get these things, that you would and should be happy. And so you went on this backpacking trip. I saw the photos from it. It looked amazing. And that's where you um, conceived of Frugal, right? Yeah. I was sitting on top of a 8th century temple. I think it's 8th or 12th century temple staring out of these like 5,000 temples, pagodas. 
And that's when I said, wow, I'm living my dream life. And just imagine that I grew up with like really amazing parents who made sure that we had food and shelter and medicine, but I didn't grow up with brand name clothing. We didn't go on trips. We didn't do all the things that I wanted my parents to do because I saw their families doing them. And so I grew up with like kind of like a limiting money belief. And I funneled that belief into, into a path in, in corporate America to earn more in order to get the stuff I didn't get as a child. And then realizing, wait, that's not really that valuable to me. And then sitting on top of that temple, I was like, wait a minute, this is pretty awesome. And I got to do this. No one is doing this right now. And so I realized that that was a perfect way to, to give back to my generations and let them know that there is a different way. And how can I show them? And that's how I conceptualized Frugal. And I started uh, blogging. And that's how we met through, through the blog. Yes. And I know we met on the blogosphere, on Twitter and all the financial wellness. And it was so wonderful to connect. And so when you came back, you conceived of Frugal. After a little bit, you were working on this road trip that we worked on together, the road to financial wellness. You had success with You Only Live Once, this amazing book that you wrote. Your book was reviewed in the New York Times. I still remember that day so vividly. And so you know, shortly after creating this amazing company, you had reached a lot of success with the road trip as well as the book. But what were your mental health struggles during this particular time and after this time? Well, as I mentioned earlier, when we were working on the road to financial wellness, that was kind of like my last ditch effort to make this work. And sure, I could continue blogging, but I really looked at this company as something more than a blog. I really wanted to revolutionize the financial services and uh, financial services industry as well as the financial education industry. And I was failing uh, so badly. And so that was extremely stressful. Going on the road trip was my way of merging two things that I loved, which is road trips and travel and personal finance. So it was a great way to kind of merge two things and be able to serve a purpose. And that was a reawakening for me to have fun in this journey, to to really think big. And if you recall, we did 34 events in 30 days and over 18,000 miles zigzagging across the country. Just imagine that. I remember. 34 events. And it was such a powerful moment for me, but it also wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream or, or roses. It was quite stressful. And so dealing with sponsors, it was also quite stressful for me because I needed the money from the sponsors to help, to help it. But dealing with sponsors as well, there's some responsibilities. You know, there are corporate uh, things that they want to make sure that they reach in order to assure that there's a return on the dollars that they've spent. And I necessarily never worked with sponsors in that capacity. And many of them were excited with my enthusiasm, my passion, and the direction of the road trip. So I did get the opportunity to work with many sponsors. But with working with so many sponsors with very conflicting goals and me not knowing exactly how to set my boundaries and, and my my limits caused a great deal of stress. So to be honest and frank, I didn't enjoy the road trip as much as I should have enjoyed it. I was thinking about the future more so than being in the present moment. 
And when I look at those photos, it was an amazing time. And I look at the videos and I can laugh because it was such a growing moment, such a painful, challenging moment, but we tend to grow in those challenges. I look back and I say, I wish he smiled a little bit more because I could see in those photos that it was a very uh, challenging moment for me, but a very rewarding one as well. And I remember when we finished the road trip after 30 days, it was like a sigh of relief. And I didn't know necessarily what was going to happen next, but I knew I wanted to go back on another one because it just opened up this new world for me. And then I got the book deal and the book deal was amazing because I got the book deal through a Facebook post. And so things were rolling. Like I had two successful road trips. Now we've done over 80 events and you know 30,000 miles. Thousands of people have attended the events. My book as you mentioned, got reviewed in the New York Times, sold thousands of copies, and I became a speaker, a well-sought-out speaker, making five figures per one-hour talk. Just imagine that. Like Here I am, just two years before, struggling and being told my vision was nonsense and wasn't going to work out, and now all over the country, corporations, associations, and colleges wanted me to speak and talk about financial wellness in a very different way than they had been approached in the past. And for me, that was awesome. But it also fed into an ego. I think it's one of those things like I'm such a high achiever and I call myself too, like I've realized and, and I've, I've had therapy sessions where I've come to terms that I was a high functioning mess. So most people don't realize that people who strive very hard and may achieve uh, great things also struggle with mental distress or emotional uh, baggage. And so for me, I've learned to funnel like kind of like some of these mental issues and, and emotional distress into something positive. And it's helped me achieve all those things. Also, ego plays a role because if you feel like you're struggling and now you're getting all this attention and I was getting all this attention on social media and I was getting paid well just to speak, I was, I, my ego blew up and I said, yeah, I'm going to be the social influencer on financial wellness. And then I became a brand ambassador and also became a, you know, very highly paid social media influencer. And then I realized I'm just hawking other people's products. I'm no longer doing the work that I wanted to do which is to empower people through you know, health and wealth. And there again was a disconnect. I knew, like, I knew exactly what my purpose in life is. But here I am chasing, once again, the money and the title to wrap it back up. So corporate and the entrepreneurial world are very similar to me. We have the same type of conversations we say they're different, but they're, they're in fact the same thing. And I was assessing my success in my entrepreneurial pursuit the same way I would assess my success in corporate America climbing the ladder. And I knew I wanted something different. Like I've already experienced that. And by just following that same path, it stressed me out. It added, it added distress. And I actually got into a very depressive mode that lasted for a year. 
And I would push through again, like I was like, I'm going to funnel these emotions, these negativity into activity. And it helped me uh, from spiraling downward. But eventually I said, I need to take a step back. And you know this, I took a step back. I was doing things here and there, but I took a step back. And I think it's important for all of us to take a step back, reassess the landscape and reevaluate our mental and emotional and physical health and say, am I still doing what I'm called to do? And if not, what changes can I make? Because the issue, again, wasn't the work. The issue for me was chasing the wrong thing in the work. And so taking a break has allowed me to kind of refocus and, and recenter and say, okay, I need to focus back on the purpose and not these external financial rewards or these accolades. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, you had reached this point of success. You were making a lot of money. You had this purpose. You had this vision. It feels very good for the ego, but then it sounds like you had this kind of reckoning with your soul and your spirit, realizing like, I'm just hawking other people's products, as you said, or promoting their brands and not my own. And kind of having this disconnect of what you feel called to do and what you're actually doing. And do you think that's what kind of caused your depressive state after is realizing that there was a gap between what you were doing and what you wanted to do? And what steps did you take to step back after that? And if you want to dive in a little deeper about that depressive state and what you were experiencing, and also I'd love to hear how you kind of got out of that as well. Yeah, I think what tends to happen to all of us is that when we're clear about our vision and our purpose, and we know exactly what we want to do with our lives, and then we get that wake up, that epiphany, that the things that we're actually doing is so far away from the life that we envision. And I've realized for me and for many other people, we know what we want in our life. And we're aware that we're not doing or or taking the steps in order to achieve it. So that's where the distress comes in because there's a misalignment. That misalignment is what causes all these mental frustrations and this anger and, the, and these depressive moments and this anxiousness. And so for me, I realized as like, okay, I should be fortunate and grateful that I understand what my vision for my life is. And I'm slowly walking towards it, but there's such a huge gap and knowing that there's a huge gap and I'm being diverted in different ways did cause me to to enter like a very dark uh, moment. And I say dark moment because I did go to professionals to speak about um, just kind of my physical because all these mental issues were manifesting itself in, in physical ailments. And I wasn't addressing the the mental aspect, I was addressing the physical piece of it. And so I would get all these blood tests done and everything was fine. Then they realized I was like, my adrenaline was up and that's because I was constantly working and hustling and in and, and the grind that I was unable to sleep at night. And then I would be extremely tired and fatigued during the day. And then I realized there's something switched in me where I no longer wanted to go to meetings. I no longer wanted to go to meetups or I didn't find excitement in collaborating. And I knew at that point I was burnt out. There's, there's a misalignment and I needed a kind of change. And knowing my history of overachieving and not focusing on what truly matters and just looking at those 
external validations, I knew then that that's exactly what I was doing. I diverted from my purpose to kind of feel good in the moment and I needed to kind of switch it up. So for me, it was just accepting the fact that I am back in a hamster wheel, a different hamster wheel, one that I created, right? It's no longer the corporate hamster wheel. It's a hamster wheel I created, but nonetheless, it was taking me nowhere and I needed to change change that trajectory. And I do this with a, with my practice of meditation and yoga and daily walks and movement that allows me to kind of just re-enter my body and and get the time with my mind and that opens things up. But also it doesn't hurt when a professional, a health professional tells you something is off and you got to accept the fact that something is off. If I am unable to get out of bed, because there are moments I was unable to get out of bed, there had to be an issue behind that. And if the tests that came in said there are no physical issues, I am extremely healthy, then it has to be related to stress because I've learned stress manifests itself in different ways and it doesn't necessarily show up in scans or x-rays or blood work. Sure, knowing that I had adrenal fatigue was an eye-opener because I'm like, okay, that could become very dangerous and I need to change things up. And so I had to say no to everything pretty much. And that was a good way of saying I need to stop. And in 2018, that's exactly it. I was on the road doing a mini road trip. And it was also the time that my mother got sick. And then my dad got sick at the same time. And they were in the hospital like three days apart. And I was on the road. So I rushed home and and said, what's really important to me? And it was spending more time with the people that I love. And also, I didn't work this hard to become financially well to not be able to do the things I say I want to do. And for me, that was important. It's I have the means to be able to spend more time with my family and my loved ones. And if I can do that, then I should be able to do that and should do that. And so that was another one of those those moments and those wake-up calls. So everything around me was just seemed like exponentially growing worse and worse. And me being ultimately still a positive person and an optimistic person, I had to kind of reset that mind frame. But then also being kinder and more compassionate with myself to say, Jason, take a step back, sit, relax, sleep 12 hours if you have to sleep 12 hours. And I don't have to keep pushing myself. I don't have to be the overachiever. I don't have to be the high-functioning individual. I could simply just allow myself to accept the fact that my body was worn out. I was mentally fatigued. And acknowledging that was a huge step for me because then that allowed me to take a step back. And it wasn't easy because I'm turning away contracts. I'm turning away news outlets that want to interview me and potentially continue to grow. But I can tell you right now, looking back, it was the best thing that I could have done for myself because I am positioned much better today for this pandemic. And now I can serve more people who are going through the things I'm going through, now adding the external aspects of this pandemic and say, I've been there, but now I'm stronger during this period where I can help you 
through it much better than if I was still struggling with my, my mental, physical, and emotional wellness. I am so glad that you have gotten to this place. And I very much remember how hard you were hustling. I very much remember both of us working late. Like I was a night owl at that time. And I was like working at midnight and you were somehow up at 3am on the East coast. And I was like, why are you awake? And I just remember it felt like you were always awake and you were always on. And I was kind of like that too. And definitely it all takes a toll on your body and your mind. And I love that you brought up the fact that you had all these blood tests and scans that came back fine, but you knew something was not fine. And I just really want to harp on that point for our listeners that there is a mind body connection that unfortunately isn't as recognized as it should be in Western medicine. Our mind and our bodies are very bi-directional. They affect each other so much. And sometimes your body knows things before your mind does. And I say that because a few months before I actually finally broke up with my ex-partner of nine years, I was getting stomach aches. I was getting headaches. Like, all of these physical things just came out of nowhere. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And then only until later, I was like, my body kept telling me to get out that I'm not okay, that I'm not in a healthy situation. So I just encourage you, if you're dealing with any physical symptoms, to try to evaluate, are there any stressors in your life that's going on right now? And as you mentioned with depression, depression often arises out of this kind of gap between what we want and what is actually happening. Like we don't like where we are right now. We wish it was something else. We wish it was either something that happened in the past or we wish it something to be in the future, but we're not accepting what is. And that not accepting what is, that resistance is what causes the unhappiness and suffering. And so I'm so glad that you took a step back. You took care of yourself. I think you're, you are in a much better position now to serve others. Like How did this experience of being at the top of your game, being very, quote, successful, at least on the outside, and then taking a complete step back, kind of saying no to work, not being public facing, how did all of these experiences shape both your mental and financial health? Yeah. So I want to take a step back because you emphasized the importance of listening to our body and our physical state. And I want to reemphasize how important that is. And I knew for me, something was off when my body, I felt fatigue and I felt more tired than normal. And no matter my hustle mentality and mindset, I couldn't get myself out of bed. And then I realized this happened to me back when I was chasing the CEO role at my former company, I developed vertigo. And I actually had two doctors. I had my doctor in California and my doctor in New Jersey. My doctor in California ran tests. My doctor in New Jersey ran tests. My doctor in New Jersey wanted to put me in a whole bunch of different prescription medication to control my my blood pressure, my cholesterol, and, and all that. And then my, of course, it's California. She wanted me to look at more alternative stuff and say, we need to control your stress level. And here I am a Jersey guy going stress level, like how does that impact how I'm feeling? Just give me something to feel better. And she introduced me to the concept of, you know, what type of lifestyle do I have? Because if it's all just work, then sure, I'm not going to have the time to allow my body to reset. 
And that's when she reinforced, I need to do more yoga. I need to go out there and be out in nature. I need to look at my food. At that point, I was I was eating like steak seven days a week. And so maybe that my blood pressure was was that high. And now I haven't eaten, you know, red meat for, for years. But again, too, like people were just dropping these gems. And I just didn't understand like what they mean then. But today I like now I know that they've informed the way I live. And it's true, like our bodies will tell us something is wrong before our mind acknowledges and accept that something is in fact wrong and we need to listen to that. And for me, I was able to listen to it fairly quickly when I realized, okay, but I was still hard-headed. You could tell because I didn't just step back. I had to go to the doctors. I had to get all these assessments done because I'm like, it has to be something else. And, but it was important for me too, because I needed to get the help of professionals and doctors to kind of assess like where I am. And also as a reminder, it's like, okay, well, I'm not a health professional. So listen to them and make my own decision for, for my own well being. And so with all that information, I just had to say, I need to make a decision. And that decision has to be what's more important, me chasing these quote unquote goals or me being healthy to be able to enjoy those goals long-term. And that's when I just said no to pretty much everything. And I was in the middle of my road trip in 2018, called up my sponsors and I say, I will give you back all the money you gave me. I just can't continue. I need need time. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments where, you know, it was still very scary and, and I didn't necessarily knew how to go about, uh, for lack of a better word, fixing myself, but I just knew I needed time and I wouldn't be able to give myself the time to work on bettering myself if I was still had these external like revenue goals, income goals, business goals. I needed to put them aside in order to be where I am today. And I'm grateful as well that I had systems in place that, yes, I disappeared as the face of my company, but my company continued to make revenue while I was working on myself. And that, again, reinforced the importance of getting our finances and financials in order so we can take these moments. We can take these moments that that we need because I know, and I've been there, it's like if I'm dealing with a mental issue or a physical ailment, if I have to deal with financial stress on top of that, it is such a dark place to be in. And so when we can eliminate the financial stress aspect of it, or even lower that stressor, then we can focus on making ourselves better in the other aspects of well-being. And that's why I've become such an ardent proponent more so of financial wellness. It's like, yes, money is important. We need to make sure that it's right. But I don't want you going out there, you know, setting financial independence numbers and not taking care of yourself along the way because you have to be healthy enough to enjoy that destination that you set. And health doesn't just happen at the end of the financial goal. It happens as we live our life day in and day out. Totally. And I love this idea of financial wellness as being comprehensive and holistic. And I think we really need to be considering that in all aspects. You know, it feels like 
People look at finances and that's just about money. People look at physical health and think it's just about the body. People look at the brain and think it's just about mental health. But all of these are so interconnected. I mean, that's why I'm doing the mental health and wealth shows because I've seen personally and through almost everyone I've talked to that there is such an important intersection between mental health and wealth. And we need to be looking at all of these factors holistically because it's like if your health is not okay, every other aspect of your life will not be okay. I mean, just take, for example, you have a cold or a flu. You can hardly think of anything else. You're thinking, oh my gosh, my nose is constantly dripping. I'm coughing, my throat itches, I'm in so much pain, I can't get up. And that's just a cold and you're constantly just thinking about it, not really able to do much. And you know, we're in the time of COVID right now, which is extremely difficult. And we're seeing firsthand how difficult it is when your health is taken away from you. And as you mentioned, our physical health and our mental health are things that we need to both invest in with time and money, and then make sure that our financial wellness is supporting the physical and mental health and that it's all like in a circle that's connected. Yeah, it's the wellness wheel. So financial, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental, all these aspects are, are important for our overall well-being. And they're all integrated among each other. And so when you can focus on improving your finances, it does lead itself up to all these other things. And if you're eating healthier, it's going to cause less physical ailments. And if you're surrounding yourself with better people, social well-being, well, yeah, you're also less emotionally distressed because that's also kind of one of the things too. It's like, okay, like what is my environment like and who am I surrounding myself like with? And what is the type of information I'm consuming? And so back in the day, you and I were, were I'm not sure we were extreme Gary V fans, but we did follow Gary V and we talk about him on and off, but he was all about the hustle, the grind and that type of culture. And I fell into that trap. And for those people who are hustling and grinding to achieve financial goals or business goals, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to enjoy the benefits of achieving those goals. And I remember you and I talking, man, uh, Gary Vee looks pretty tired. <laughs> and, and I said, I don't want to look like that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to look like I'm tired. I don't want to look like that. I haven't slept. And again, I don't know him personally and I don't know what his sleep schedule is like or anything like that, but I can tell you, I shut his message off back in 2018 because I couldn't hear the the hustle mentality anymore because it was pushing me in a different direction. And then I started listening to him again and he has evolved in the last two years. He talks about the importance of relaxation, meditation, and time with your, your loved ones. And I'm like, who is this person talking? Because it was absent from his message earlier, but I love the fact that we can all have this evolution and we can still ha achieve these things, but also work on being more fulfilled along the way. And so I love the fact that he softened up a bit on that and understand the importance of sleep because <laughs> yeah, we all I, need it. I was like, he needs a nap. I think he needs a nap. I remember telling you that like, I think he needs a nap right there. So yeah, I'm glad he has evolved to, you know, taking care of yourself is so important for you to actually be able to make money and to be able to enjoy it. So 
I'd love to have our last question, you know, have you share what are some actionable steps that people can take to improve their financial wellness? First thing first is doing a an exercise of analysis, basically understanding where you are today. That's kind of the fundamental aspect. People think of it as as budgeting, but I want people to look at it as a complete financial analysis of their situation. They're looking at their income. They're looking at their credit score, their net worth, their debt load, their cash flow. Look at every aspect of your personal finances. Understand where you are today because I know how difficult and stressful it can be to realize that you're not making enough money to cover your expenses and your bills. And so we don't do the analysis. We don't do the budget. But if you do a comprehensive financial analysis and not just look at your income and expenses, but look at the big picture, it's going to give you peace of mind to say, okay, well, I may not have the income that 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 I want or desire, but my net worth is positive. And so that's something that you can focus on and use that as energy to, to improve your income. And so my tip to improve your financial wellness is to start off with a financial analysis, a comprehensive financial assessment of where you are today, and then have a, a night out with yourself and ask, what are your goals in the future? What are the things that you want to accomplish in terms of your finances? So it could be debt payoff, it could be income goals, but then tie that into how do you envision your life? It's a much deeper conversation. So it's it's that three-step financial analysis. Go ahead and set your those financial goals based on that analysis, but then start thinking about that vision for your life because then it wraps everything back around. And by understanding and being more aware of your finances, you are then able to choose the right solutions. Because the truth is, there are so many answers to our financial situations. There are experts and gurus out there saying, nope, the only answer to your situation is my product or my solution. And I'm going to tell them, no, sorry to bust your bubble, but there are a thousand ways to get out of debt. There's a thousand ways to make income. There's a thousand ways to do X, Y, and Z. Now, the best way is to find the one that works for you. And you're not going to find what works for you if you don't know what the problem is. And that financial analysis is going to set you up uh, in uncovering what the financial issue is. Then you can create a plan to address that issue, find the right products and services, get the right support. And I think that is extremely important as well. Like for me, it was important that I was surrounded with people who manage their money well. And although I may not have been as open about my financial struggles, they're very open about the tools and resources that they were using. And then I would use that to better my situation. And now I'm, I'm a proponent of being okay with sharing our financial failures because other people have gone through it, have survived and can lessen the amount of time it takes to achieve that financial goal. I mean, you paid off massive amounts of debt. And if people read your book and they listen to you, they don't have to take eight, 10 years to pay off their debt. They can implement some of your strategies so they can pay it off around the same time you did or even lesser, right? 
And it's sort of like, that's why you want to listen to podcasts. That's why you want to read books. It's not just for you to have the knowledge. It's for you to apply that knowledge so you can achieve your goal sooner rather than later. And eventually that the whole entire goal is that you don't have to think about finances. And I know we're wrapping up, but I do want to add, I've met people in the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early movement, who shared with me that how unhappy they are. And they wish that they started thinking about the life after financial independence five years or seven years ago. And by me having this conversation to say, it's okay to spend your hard-earned money today, but also plan for the future, it's they're having different types of conversations. And so I encourage everyone to be more aware of your finances, be more aware of yourself, truly know what makes you tick, what makes you, what brings joy and happiness into your life, and then create the goals around that. Yeah, I think it's super important for people to understand what spending brings them joy, what does not bring them joy, what are their spending triggers. I happen to spend a lot of money when I'm hungry or exhausted. And so I try to get enough sleep and have enough eat so that I'm not spending on things that I don't particularly like. And I love the point that you brought up about really creating a vision for your life and what you want to spend your money on. Because we all have this idea of what we should be doing. You should get a house. You should get married. You should have kids. You should retire, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's not the life that you want. Maybe you want to live as a single cat lady in New York and rock it. Maybe you do want a house in Kansas with five kids and a farm. Like Whatever you want, that is okay. And I think it's really important that we divorce ourselves from these expectations or these influences that we get from other people and be really honest with ourselves about what we actually want in life and what that looks like and be okay with that and then go 100% into reaching that with our financial goals. Absolutely. And my book is You Only Live Once and it's your life. And so how do you envision your life? And I totally understand that we are influenced by so many factors, but we have to pay attention on who is influencing us, whether consciously or subconsciously. And again, as a reminder, how do you want to live your life? If this is the only life that we know to have, how are you going to treat it? I love that you have provided so much hope. I remember you have an acronym for hope. Can you share it with people? I love it. Yeah, it's hope is hearing other people's experiences. I love it. I, I just love having all of that with the show, hearing other people's experiences. Your story is so incredible. And I so appreciate you sharing with our audience. Where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, you can find me on social uh, anywhere. Twitter, Instagram, pretty much any place at Jason Vitug, my name, or at Frugal, that's P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L. And you can look at look me up on the Frugal website and send me a message. DMs work, so you can slide to my DMs and ask me questions. And I really love engaging with people. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I learned in this pandemic. I love collaborating. I miss collaborating with people and I miss engaging. And so the, the DMs work in terms of answering people's questions and providing the resources and tools that's on the, the website, as well as some of the things that, that I've curated on my personal jasonvitek.com. Thank you so much for sharing. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Melanie. This was awesome.
Thank you, everyone, for listening. Definitely check out Jason and Frugal. If you love the show, I'd love for you to leave a review and subscribe. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free Mental Health and Money Inventory Worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a Mental Health and Wealth Hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart.